1: To the Brandon Peters show and the continued adventures of the summer of '93 at 30 series. It's a summer of
0: '93
1: at 30. It's a weekend by weekend look at the movies released during the summer of 1993 as well as their full on pop culture experience. Returning again another week, another year, Scott Mendelson from The Wrap.
2: Every week it's the same old thing. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here.
1: And uh, where <laughs> wherever we go, he'll be two steps behind. <laughs> from We Live Entertainment, Variety, Why So Blue? The host about out now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron Newirth.
3: Who needs a podcast when a podcast can be broken? <laughs>
1: Oh, hello, guys. How are you? Great. I'm Good. doing well. This is my when well, we we're doing Summer of '93 at 30. This was one where I was like, okay, and then we added Aaron to it, and now I just this was not the one I was looking forward to doing <laughs> this episode. You'll find out why at the end. I'm holding off because we're right and you're wrong. Because I can just enjoy something and you two have a problem with it. All right. Anyways. And then the world. <laughs> yes, we're going to war over
2: Once Upon a Forest,
1: by the way. Once Upon a Forest, the childhood treasure. Uh, but before we get to all that, we'll do what we always do. We'll begin with the news. When I wake up.
3: Don't you know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who brings the news to you. Pax
2: waving for BJ to come back, and Michael flips it in to BJ, back to Michael. Michael 11 seconds, across the timeline he comes, goes to Pippen. Pippen runs down the lane, dumps it out to Horace. Paxson for three! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Pippen for three! Three and nine, ten seconds left, and the Bulls lead 99-98.
1: On June fourteenth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is nominated to the United States Supreme Court by President Bill
3: Clinton. I wonder if that goes through.
1: I wonder. I hope I wonder.
3: that story has a happy
1: ending. Yeah, hold on, Scott. Just hold on. You'll you'll find out through all the years if you <sighs> just keep holding on. Uh, June sixteenth, Ken Griffey Jr. slugs his one hundredth career home run in Seattle. On June eighteenth, more baseball expos. Remember them? That was a team. They aren't anymore. But uh Dennis Martinez on the team is the ninety-second the ninety-second Major League Baseball pitcher to win two hundred games. Good and for him. More sports. Wow. Big week of sports. And then June twentieth. The Chicago Bulls become the first team since the legendary Boston Celtics of the 1960s to win three consecutive titles with a 99 to 98 victory in Game Six over the Phoenix Suns, led by Charles Barkley. The MVP was Michael Jordan for a third straight year. We'll get get more news. (laughs) Obviously, this is just to begin. This is the best news of Michael Jordan that we'll have this summer. Just saying. If you, know what happens, oh. you know what happens, this is the this is the happy times for Michael Jordan this summer. Uh, uh, also, we only have like sports this week. So a uh, US Open's men's golf <laughs> to overshadow the Bulls win here. Uh, but, uh, Lee Jansen plays sub seventy golf all four rounds to tie tournament scoring a tournament scoring record and win the first of his two open titles, two strokes ahead of Payne Stewart. So they said, like, okay. Now, golfing, pains! He had socks, right? Was that his thing? I can't remember. Yes. Anyways, yeah, he was a socks yeah. guy. Yep. All right. Uh, we move on to our notable deaths of the week cartoonist Vincent T. Hamlin, uh, Scarf and Lena Desire Vera, um, James Benton Parsons, the first African American federal judge, passed away. That's where Ruth Bader Ginsburg comes into play, right? Uh, and the author of The Lord of the Flies, William Golding, passed mm-hmm. away. So, um, and was then, he
2: bashed in the head with a rock and thrown off a cliff?
1: Yes. Didn't get the details, but I only assume. All right. Uh, birthdays this <laughs> week. Uh, Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup. Uh, the daughter of Gretchen and Randy, Alice Ann Newman, was born. And South Korean actor Park Bo Gum was born this week. Those are that's, that's our news this week. A lot of sports and some Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And we will move on to our first film, One Cherished in All Our Hearts Our Memories, one that we get mad when it goes back into the vault all the time. I'm talking about Once Upon a Forest
2: from the creator of an American tale, He's comes bad. a musical magical adventure that could only happen
3: once upon a forest.
2: It's an animated classic. Absolutely delightful. Children will love it. Featuring the voices
3: of Michael Crawford, Broadway's legendary
2: fandom.
3: And the fabulous Ben Vereen. Once Upon a Forest, rated G. Starts
2: Friday at theaters everywhere.
1: Directed by Charles Grosvenor, written by Mark Young uh, and Kelly Ward on a story by Ray Lambert. Starring, or is it Lambert? I don't know. Uh, Starring Michael Crawford, Ben Vereen, Ellen Blaine, Elizabeth Moss. Welcome to the film world. Benji Gregory, (laughs) Janet Waldo, and Will Estes. A young mouse, mole, and hedgehog risk their lives to find a cure for their badger friend. Like a badger, not a friend that was just annoying them the whole time. Waldo, who's who's been poisoned by men. All right. So uh, this is a Hannah Barbera production. Music was done by James Horner. Somebody was making an effort here. I'll start... This movie I sort of like some of the like I don't remember. I was like, what the hell is once upon a forest to look it up, find it, and start watching. I'm like, well, these characters are looking familiar, but I don't know why. Like, I don't think I'd ever seen this movie. Um and then I I got into this whole I found out they were um Long John Silvers had the tie-in for this. And they had these straw toppers with these characters. I, so I'm like, well, I don't think that's it. It wasn't like a Happy Meal. It was Long John Silvers. Um, the VHS tape for the movie included a sneak preview of the Pagemaster. I wasn't that interested in that. So I was like, I don't, I don't know. But this thing, it's got some animation. But this is like in the long range of... Forgettable late 80s early 90s cartoons for me like i'm not engaging i watched it a few days ago and i'm already struggling to remember things about it um it's got it's not quite a musical but has a couple musical asides to it at times i don't i I don't know aaron what'd you think of this one
3: I very much got a sense of deja vu while watching it, so I'm very much convinced that I've probably seen it more than once because it felt too uh, familiar to me to think that I only like saw it once in passing. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I had the VHS of it. Very possible. I had a lot of VHSs back in the day, or if I just rented it and watched it a bunch or something. That doesn't make me think I liked it, but I it felt very, very familiar, and that was the most interesting thing about watching this movie. Yeah, it's got colors, and <laughs> there's certainly voice actors that did voice acting. When it said Ben Vereen on the credits, I was like, ooh, that that, that was the extent to that. <laughs> 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 and, um, uh, I do think the James Horner score is good. Yeah. For, you know, a 68-minute movie, it's like, well, there's that's working for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, The animation is Hanna-Barbera, so, I mean, it's nothing revolutionary. It's just more like, well, they did it. I mean, (laughs) like, I'm the guy that comes down on Ferngully because it's a bad movie. So, like, this movie doesn't have anything going for it as far as, you know, nature and man and telling stories about what it is to band together as animals (laughs) that love each other and friendship and whatnot. There's just nothing really here. It just kind of exists as a thing for kids do stare at for a while right. uh, and then it ends and then they put on it again or something else uh, preferably from Hanna-Barbera presumably but this did not kick off the uh, 90s wave of Hanna-Barbera animated movies I think like it's the last attempt by Hanna-Barbera oh, yeah. to make a movie actually um, so um uh, so I'm gonna say mixed
1: yeah mm, uh, <laughs> and hanna didn't they do a Jetsons movie in the 90s too they tried <laughs>
3: Uh, yes, before this, I believe. Before, the, okay. might be before yeah,
1: and, and I'm Scott, pretty sure this is like the last
3: Hanna Barbera movie. Yeah,
1: know. yeah. And Scott, this kind of you know piece of it reminds me of like the idea behind we did Secret of Nim last summer for Summer of '82, which has much more memorable and engaging an- animation to it. But it was also a story of like these little creatures, animals or whatever, and man doing something that affects them. So it kind of tie in there, but what do you think of Once Upon a Forest?
2: I'm pretty sure I have seen this at some point in time as well. Maybe like when our teachers were it you know, felt like putting on a movie for whatever reason. This is the kind of movie you might watch on those wheelie TVs. Yeah. Is anyway, it? that's the one they'd have.
1: The AV <laughs> Club, man. We had yeah. of, We at least got American Tail. <laughs> we
3: didn't. watched movies in school. Like, I watched Rocky. Um, and-
1: <laughs> I was
2: amused to see Al, uh, Elizabeth Moss's name in this for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's her second movie. Second of all. Even at this very young age, she is immediately typecast as the punching bag. Um, as someone who's sort of become the Jennifer Connelly of television, which all of her projects are filled with misery, suffering, and and self-flagulation. Even in this this otherwise irrelevant children's cartoon, she gets poisoned and spends the entire film near death in a coma. So there you go. Started from the beginning. Um <laughs> The other thing is, I just blew my mind about three years ago. Is is when you watch the trailer to The Invisible Man, which is excellent, by the way. My thought was, "Ah, ha ha, this kind of reminds me of that Batman the Animated Series episode where you have the abusive uh, ex husband who's stalking his ex wife and their daughter, and you know he basically is a Psychotic scientist who makes an invisible man suit and causes trouble. And to my shock, someone chimes in, is like, "Oh, Elizabeth Moss did the voice of the daughter in that show," which, of course, just holy shit. What were the <laughs> chances of that? If I'm rambling about an otherwise unrelated digression, it's because I honestly don't have much to say about this picture. It is a very forgettable cartoon. The characters are unmemorable. They're overly chipper and and generically frantic it's great that it's about saving the environment but that was you know again this was the 90s this is back when the bad guys were people that wanted to destroy the environment they weren't like complicated people that wanted to destroy the world to save the environment and as much as i enjoy the complexity i wonder if as a populace we were too stupid to get that but i digress i have nothing particularly thoughtful to say about this film it's a 70 minute movie it came and went and it wasn't exactly Anna barbera going out with a bang.
1: Amazon got like twelve dollars from us because this, so we have nothing to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I I mean this movie makes like all dogs go to heaven look like it's like the Little Mermaid of its time. Like I at least I remember I saw that movie. I remember it. I yeah, I can tell you the poster. I you know I remember that at least having some energy to it. This has just nothing. It's. Like I said, it can't even be a musical, um, right? Like, it, that would do something, but yeah. And, you
2: know, for what it's worth, you know, the movie comes out in the summer of '93. It's 20th Century Fox. And again, the distribution deal, blah, blah, blah. And, you yeah. know, four and a half years later, they come up with Anastasia. Like, okay, we're going to try now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, not, you know, I know I've been saying this a lot because it, you know, it's a nothing burger.
3: Anastasia mm-hmm. pays off, though, right? That's like somewhat of a hit. Which one? Uh, Anastasia.
2: Yes, it's a solid performer.
3: It's a hit uh, that's that Don leads, It leads, and to, then they, it leads to Titan A.E. Titan and that, A
2: Rules,
3: and it's like, it flops terribly, even though it's a pretty yeah. good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so was
2: Atlantis. Not, treasure Planet never did
3: anything for me, but I digress. But oh, I that's prefer my I
2: treasure planets you. with. I, I prefer my treasure island stories with Muppets. Thank you very much. But anyway, yeah, this film is is. I had yeah. forgotten about it to the extent that I even yeah, knew I, it in the first place. I, I will probably never think about it again.
1: We're recording on a Thursday night. I watched it on Monday and I, I'm struggling to, like, I took notes, but, like, not much. Unless, like, I don't, it's just, well, I can ha- tell you all about it. The, the movie just happens. Not, none of, like, none of it,
3: the sentences I would say are interesting. Yeah,
1: nothing's interesting <laughs> here. It's like, there's no, like, character that's like, oh, you remember G. Willikers? He was good. Like, no, he's, it's not even that. Like, you remember that one, two? No. The James Horner score? that's that's us pulling for compliments i mean i'm
3: not humming it but like as i was listening to it it sounded good
1: (laughs) i I did hear some stuff that i think got used other places oh for sure there was some things that got pulled from this yeah Yeah. but yeah this is a quite forgettable movie um like beyond like there's a lot like if you weren't like disney was on their comeback kick at this time and if you weren't them there was there was nothing else (laughs)
3: <laughs> with, with a cushy June release like this? Yeah.
1: Right. They tried. But, you know, instead of going to this movie, people probably stayed home and watched TV. The fans
2: are calling you another one. The fans are idiots. <laughs> Give me a C.
0: Who sent you here? Give me an O. <laughs> Give, Give me an A. C. H.
3: This is what I call a moment. <laughs> What's
0: that spell? I want to have a baby. What's that spell? Persever! What's that spell? Oh, Tuesdays on
1: ABC! Over here on the Nielsen Ratings, this is a quick one here this week because the top four spots here are the NBA Finals. The top top watch thing was the post-game show of Game 6 after they won. Oh, game, si- game 6 was number 2. Game 4 was number 3. And Game 5 was number four that's kind of confusing to say one of those games i remember had i was i will i I remember i was in florida on summer vacation with my parents and my dad and i were in the hotel lobby and watched one of the games went to triple overtime and the sons won the game um they just kept going at it so we stayed up late uh in our hotel watching that i believe we were going to like Disney and then went to Sarasota or something it was like some summer vacation but I remember watching that with my father uh, triple overtime game couldn't believe it and like like the hotel like we were in the lobby watching because they had like a big screen and then like we watched the game from the start and then like people just kept building as the overtimes went and it was kind of a fun experience so um, I was actually went I was like you know I kind of like to see Barkley win this one he's really playing hard even though I was like a, you know, I liked Michael back in the day as every damn kid did charles
3: charles wasn't terrible
1: he was terrible marley dan marley and kj they had a nice little team uh number five was home improvement on abc so, that's, so that means number six was roseanne on abc because ah. those follow each other uh number seven primetime live on abc eight here's coach on abc oh. and then tenth we have another tie i don't these are weird. Can't we go like far decimals? But the big battle of Seinfeld on NBC and 60 minutes on CBS. <laughs> there you go. That's our news. And we we will go from there to what's love got to do with it?
3: Got to do with it.
1: Got to do with it.
3: She wanted love.
2: I'm trying to help Mike.
3: He wanted control. You're trying to help Mike. She had taken them
2: to the top. He pushed her to the edge. Take your hands off. That's when she found the courage to fight back. I don't care You're going to walk out of here with nothing.
3: Except my name. Touchstone Pictures presents a story of courage and triumph. The true life story of Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Rated R. Starts Friday, June 11th in select cities. Check newspaper for showtimes.
1: Directed by Brian Gibson. Written by Kate Lanier on the book I, Tina. By Tina Turner and Kurt Loder. MTV News, you hear it first. Starring Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, Ravine Kelly, Virginia Capers, Chi McBride, Sherman Augustus, Candy Alexander, Penny Johnson-Gerald, and Shavar Ross.
3: Jennifer Lewis on there, too.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jennifer Lewis. The story of singer Tina Turner's rise to stardom, and how she gained the courage to break free from her abusive husband, Ike Turner. Scott, what's love got to do with it?
2: <laughs> uh, this is one I had not seen in 30 years, give or take. I did not see it in theaters. I saw it pretty quickly when it came out on VHS, and it still holds up. Um, Obviously, I think some of the impact 30 years ago was how fresh and exciting it felt for a you know it felt like a an of the moment biopic you know it, it in terms of how it was made in terms of the visual razzle dazzle of the intensity and what have you and of course it's anchored by two spectacular Oscar nominated performances and watching it in retrospect it does feel like okay this is you know in a skewed way, it's almost the birth of what we consider the modern musical biopic. That may be slightly hyperbolic, but
3: that's very, um, hyperbolic.
2: but you know, well, in terms of, I mean, it feels it feels on a different level than the Buddy Holly story. How about that?
3: Hey, buddy Holly, Great Ball, fire that being said, Obama, you can name a bunch of biopics. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's yeah. That's all done this. But
2: I mean, in terms of just the, 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 Electricity and the energy that this one has, and I like La Bamba quite a bit. I loved it when I was seven years old. Yeah, actually, the soundtrack. But you know, thirty years later, the film is still a very good biopic. Historical accuracy, regardless. I'm not using it for a book report, so I don't care. That is still anchored by two spectacular star-making performances. Lawrence Fishburne was obviously a you know he wasn't uh, wasn't a breakout role, but you know it certainly put him on a different plane in terms of awareness. And I think most of the huzzas that were given in 1993 still hold up today. It's a terrific old, you know, it's a terrific old school, trusty studio programmer. It's a solid, musically centric biopic. And it's just a damn good movie. And it reminds you at the end that what's Love Got to Do with It is a fucking great
1: song. (laughs) (laughs) There's some other bangers in here, of course, but yeah. True, true. Oh, yeah, she builds yes, to yes. that song, yes. And that was the first
2: uh, uh, Tina Turner song I ever heard when I was growing up, just, just hmm. the happenstance of how old I was, and it was making the rotations.
1: Yeah, and the music video with her just um, walking. <laughs> it's like an iconic music video, but there's like Walking nothing. on a bridge, if I recall? She's just walking through New York, and there's, yeah. like, a, yeah, there's a, like a fence. Nothing yeah. like, there's, there's nothing to it, but it's a pretty iconic video. But yeah, I would say it still holds up. Aaron, what's love got to do with it?
3: It's got a lot to do with how good the movie is that's for sure because the song really does add you know, as far as how it plays a role in the film which could be said about a lot of the songs because the mill the film does a great job of using utilizing tina turner's music that's a huge part of it that's not mm-hmm. you know that, that could sound like a standard thing to say for a music biopic but what helps this one stand out in the way that it does I do think it's very good um is because there is a sense of like hope and positivity that comes at with this story Uh, given how harsh it is as far as watching basically Ike beat Tina for so much to the runtime. The fact that this is one of those, the arc of this biopic, I think stands out because Tina Turner is, you know, very much still alive uh, Mm -hmm. by the end of this movie um, and has triumphed over things. It's not this kind of, fallow period where everything gets so dark and then like she eventually died of an overdose or something like that. Instead, there's a story of like, no, this is just a woman who gained the confidence that she needed to get away from this terrible person, despite the, you know, despite, despite what the collaboration brought them. Um, it's still a, you know, it's a personal journey for her. What helps is that, yes, Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne are amazing in this movie and they're rightfully nominated for Academy Awards when it comes to music biopics. Yeah. You're not seeing – I mean, you're – that's a standby as far as the kind of things that get nominated for awards. But when it comes to a movie that has not one but two strong black lead characters, the fact that it got that acclaim from a summer release, no less, that is impressive. Uh, that is something that like <laughs> that just sits in my mind as like, wow, that, that had to carry for several months um, with various obstacles in its path and just show just how strong those performances are because, hey, we're still talking about them at the end of the year. That all adds to what could be a simple formula coming to life in a new, you know, coat of paint on top of it. But it stands strong because of those words, those, the work of the actors, because of how it comes together as a biopic. I know what, it win like Golden Globes for best musical comedy because that's how these things work. It's ridiculous. It's just, uh, like Scott's been saying, it's just, it's a well. It's a well-put-together picture um, as far as what this kind of thing is doing that I do think is elevated specifically by the performances. But there are far more cliche ways to make this kind of thing, uh, which is why I very much get sick of these movies. Um, This is one that does stand strong because of how it's assembled. Who's the director again? It's Brian. What is his
1: name? Brian Gibson. Yeah, music music video guy.
3: Yeah, he's a music video guy. He doesn't really do much after this, I don't believe, as far as films Mm -hmm. go. Um, but you know whatever you know the electricity in the air that made this thing work out it it worked out, and I'm very happy about that
1: yeah we're we're coming to this um, one in its um middle like it opened in uh limited release the week before this, so it would have been last week's episode, and that go opens wide the following week um but uh, we're covering it here. We're moving th- so things aren't so crowded in other places. Uh, Brian Gibson also want to point out did direct Poltergeist to the Other Side, which is a pretty damn good little movie. And what's all have got to do with yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I only uh, recently saw it. Yeah, I think it, it, this is it's a good movie, but it's also like well, exactly what you're expecting from it to be. And I think you know with the, the now the reflective uh this is always how biopics are maybe go against it for new people coming to it because it does follow those things but what it does have is to, to echo you guys is Lawrence Fishburne and angela bassett who are amazing and i think elevated above many of those uh she's <coughs> particularly outstanding because there are scenes no Without words, where you're just watching her mind play, and it's amazing. Like there's a scene where Ike, another one of the times where he comes to try to like win her back, and you could see in Angela Bassett's face that she's having the biggest struggle not to go back to him, even though it's the right decision. When she like, I think it's towards the end when she's like finally making the move or whatever. He comes with like fun, but like it's just you could see this internal struggle. That's like, damn, what an actor because. She's not saying anything, but I can read so much and I can feel for her and compassionate, like, of that struggle with just that, without the words, without anything. Um, And she is...
3: There's a dignity that she brings to... Mm -hmm most of her roles um, yeah and it's which, not like uh, a, a yeah. sad
1: it's not like the sad sap oh this woman doesn't know any better type thing like you you just you see so much in her that's there and Lawrence Fishburne's scary as hell so that that helps out
3: i know he uh he rejected this role a lot because yeah. he wanted he he needed more than just he knew he was smart enough to it's know like, that if i, I
1: play, know i'm gonna be good at this but
3: like, if I, but if i play this role <laughs> women are going to hate me. That's that was, right. big, that was a big part of what was mm-hmm. on his mind. It's like, yeah. are going to hate me for a long time. If I play this role, right. So I need, I need something in this script to like inform more of the, who this character is beyond just terrible guy, which they gave him. There's mm-hmm. something you're not in enti- It's not the most empathetic role, but I mean, it's still, it has, a, it has more substance than one would think to a role like this.
1: Right. And I, I will say the one thing I was uh, s- slightly a little bit disappointed with, in it wasn't ba- Bassett or Fishburne or anything like the, the the music sounded terrific. The actors performed it amazingly, but I wish it was presented to us in a much more interesting way than the movie does. Especially when we have a music video director, like it's sure. kind of standard, traditional. Let's just here's people on stage. Here's an angle. Here's an angle. There's no. There's nothing more to the music of it and then this being a biopic of a musician i was kind of hoping for more than just some like there's like one uh psychedelic set that's kind of cool it's just it's based on costumes and set more than it is show showcasing us and there's like so many performances that i want to just to feel like I'm there, or to um, just get hit with some sort of experience through the song, and it's not. It's just like that's fair. I'm, I'm watching. It's like I'm watching concert highlights. That's sure. kind of what it's kind of how it's presented. So if I've got to poke at something with this movie, that's where I'm I'm wanting more from because of who's directing, and because of this being a biopic with such strong music.
3: Like outside of the doors, you're not getting a lot of straying from formal kind of presentation of this that's not an excuse it's just more of like right I get, it's like if I, it's when i see it now or it becomes bothersome like we just had the whitney houston biopic which i thought was fine but it doesn't do anything to really go any any other direction beyond what you kind of
1: conversely expect. you get elvis which is because the
3: Luhrmann movie right right sure. i think rocket man
2: certainly played around with the form a little bit in a way that
3: it, i appreciated it
1: a little yeah, bit a uh, little um, bit not as much as their marketing wants you to believe on it, but yeah, it was- no, I mean, I think <laughs> I like
2: Rocket
3: yeah,
2: exactly. I think i I like Rocket Man quite a bit, but I do think a lot of the discourse around that film was as a counter to Bohemian Rhapsody in a way that was kind of silly.
3: Mm-hmm. but I digress. I mean the, the um, one that I'll always stand up for is Get On Up because I think that one does do a lot of things that are interesting and plays with narrative and hmm. and, and what in structure and it um, and has a fantastic performance by Chadwick Boseman but somehow that got <laughs> completely overlooked so right
1: right but no it, it looked I, well,
2: I, ironically it got ironically it got crushed on the opening weekend by Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and
1: then Boseman oh. was like well. Can't beat them, join them, right? Pretty much. Uh, so, so but the first at, I gotta do, Gods of Egypt, right? So look at that competition here, like that these two were go, <laughs> go going against um, uh, for the for the Oscars, man. It was uh, that this is the Tom Hanks Philadelphia. This is a, him getting one for the first time. Is it uh, Thompson? Uh, uh, And then yeah, Holly Hunter, Uh, Holly Hunter for the piano. Emma Thompson was nominated for Remains of the Day. Um, The year before, those were were both like like,
3: what I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm.
1: Whatever
2: the opposite of bad odds were, about what you know, one-one or basically. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody would have met bet money, won money betting on Hanks or Holly Hunter that year because they were such surefire. You know, favorites. Well, I mean, I mean the whole the Oscars in general that year were just, you know, everyone knew that Schindler's List was going to sweep wherever it could. Everyone knew Holly Hunter was going to win. Everybody knew uh, Tom Hanks was going to win. The only surprise, arguably, was Winona Ryder not winning Best Supporting Actress for The Age of Innocence when Anna Paquin for the piano won instead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, God even, help me, I do
2: not remember who won Best Supporting Actor that year.
1: Well, I was like, for, for oh, fish- Tommy Lee Jones yeah for Fishburne, if if you take out Hanks like okay, but well, well, then he's going still against Daniel day Lewis and Anthony Hopkins and Liam Neeson like it's no, it's a it's, it's a crazy
3: year yeah it's, it's, it's of go- of quality,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's stacked I mean oh, yeah. it, I would say Bassett's pretty much I mean if it's not Holly Hunter, it might be bassett' cause that that I mean or Emma Thompson, but you got Deborah winger and shatterlands and stocker Channing. As the other ones, excuse the separation, but
3: is Hunter up twice? Is she up I mean, in sporting also? Uh, Holly Hunter, yes, for the yes. firm. Firm,
1: that's right. Yeah, because Paquin beats
3: her toast. Yeah, that's what we discuss
2: in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean to be to make it a performatively obvious point, you know, if Angela Bassett had been white, she probably would have had a half dozen Oscar nominations in the next fifteen years anyway.
3: So, I mean, yes. <laughs> oh
2: well. Yeah. Well, and yeah. also and nothing
1: I was I was fine with Holly Berry, but for you know, when it came to the X-Men thing, it was like Angela Bassett was right there for Storm when it came to the like I feel like she's always like Angela Bassett's like great, we know she's great, but they always seem to like and glad she's continued to get work over the years, but always feels like she wasn't given what she should have been all the time just Part Be of fair, it. I'm
2: pretty sure she's the highest paid actress on television right now because of 9 okay. one Because okay. she's a fucking movie um, star. That's yeah. why, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's also she's she's a, a movie star and I hit TV, TV show. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And she's quite fun. I mean, it's a fun show. It's not art, but it's very good network television.
3: Because no, you have her and like Peter Krause, um, you have good actors doing the work. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that helps. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah.
3: Sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm amused by the
2: discourse around uh, Angela Bassett winning an Oscar for the Black Panther trailers, which isn't entirely <laughs> inaccurate. But, I mean, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Um, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 still a terrific picture. I think it's still up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's That's it's, all I got. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty solid, like I said. Like it's <laughs> well, I mean, it's you get what you're you're expecting with it. It's it's of the Formulaic biopic things. It is a one of the better ones, easily.
3: I guess. I mean, there's there's something to add as far as you know. It is a biopic that's focused on. You know, a female artist, and it delves headfirst into the fact that she was abused by her husband. Yeah,
1: which is, a, is not it's a standard. Yeah. Th- yeah, it's, it's not a standard
3: th- for th- biopics, which are generally focused on the you know <laughs> the male singers or what have you, and their substance abuse issues more so than their domestic abuse issues. Um, and so, you know, something like that mm-hmm. can stand out in its own way. <laughs>
2: And there there is a okay, not a concern, because obviously this didn't happen, but you know, the idea of, you know, do we risk does the film risk defining Tina Turner by the fact that her husband beat the shit out of her? And, and, and that was certainly Tina Turner's
3: concern with it. That was that's where I believe yeah. her her regard for this is that she's begrudgingly okay with it because she did like Angela Bass's performance. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like she didn't necessarily want to have a movie about her. That would go into something that, yes, she's been outspoken about and certainly wrote, you know, wrote about and what have you. But the idea of having a film that is very much going to be talked about for a specific reason, that's a difficult position to be in. So it's I, yeah. that, I, mean, I find know, that all a terrible
2: analogy. So I apologize in advance. But it's like the idea of JFK being about his assassination. But you're right, though. And, and it's it's a rare musical biopic with a genuinely happy ending. <laughs> There aren't very many of those offhand. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, again, Rocket Man. I mean, not to sing his praises too much, but that's that's he's still standing as strong as he ever did, or whatever that lyric is.
3: Saturday. I think that's
2: how.
1: It goes. Uh, gotcha.
3: What was that? Saturday. That's how, that's how it goes. All <laughs> oh, right, all right.
0: right. Casey's biggest. Team.
1: Uh, now it's time for our KCK from Top 40, uh, the 40, it, t- 10 of his uh, Top 40 that week that we have here. Um, this is uh, number one. It's how it goes. That's the way love goes. Janet Jackson for like the eighth week. Uh, number two, Week by SWV jumps up two spots. Knock into Boots by H-Town is number three again. Freak Me by Silk falls to number four. Jumping up to number five, Rod Stewart. Have I told you lately? All right. Number six, Show Me Love by Robin S. Number seven, Come Undone by Duran Duran. Number eight, what you going to do when they come for you? The bad boys. Inner Circle. Number nine, Looking Through Patient Eyes for PM Dawn. That one's just like constantly hanging in like the eight to ten spot. It's never jumping up, never going down. And then lastly, SWV again at number 10, I'm so in to you. And that is the case Casey Kasem uh, top 10 here. Um, rounding out with I'm so into you to a movie that I don't think my co-hosts are so into themselves. We're talking about Last Action Hero. You
0: do
2: All, please? Columbia Pictures presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. To be or not to be.
3: Last action hero. Not to be. Rated PG-13. Advanced screen
1: Thursday starts Friday everywhere. Directed by John McTiernan. Written by Shane Black on a story by Zach Penn and Adam Leff. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Austin O'Brien, F. Murray Abraham... Bridget Wilson, Charles Dance, Tom Nunez, Mercedes Ruel, Robert Prosky, Anthony Quinn, Frank McRae, Ian McKellen, and like many celebrity cameos. With the help of a magic ticket, a young movie fan is transported into the fictional world of his favorite action movie character. All right, which one of you wants to rip it first? It sticks.
2: Oh, you want more? Okay. I saw this when I was 13, so it's not like, boo-hoo, I was too old for this. This was actually a lesson in a couple things. First of all, my biggest problem with the film is that the kid is somewhat annoying in a very specific way, and then he's constantly – he is constantly rooting against action. You have a situation with this kid who's this giant fan of Jack Slater, and he ends up in a Jack Slater movie, and instead of being along with the ride and enjoying <laughs> himself, he spends the entire journey saying, this isn't real, this isn't real, you should be doing this, Don't no, no, don't do that, do this, do this. And it's it's constantly nitpicking the movie itself in a weird proto-cinema-sins kind of way that even as a kid I found very annoying. Which is weird. And that's just of one of
3: this thing. Like, it's just, it doesn't... <laughs> Yeah. it doesn't help in any way it, it makes it i mean begrudgingly going along on this adventure when it should be have a sense of wonder to it like we this this should be more exciting than it is and um, it's not yeah <laughs>
2: and the other thing and you know I, I maybe i was too young to understand copyright and ip ownership and all that jazz but the film kind of teases the idea that you're gonna see a shit ton of other characters from other movies and, and franchises and IP, and then you don't. You basically see one character from one other Jack Slater film. And again, in retrospect, okay, fine, I shouldn't have expected Freddy Krueger to show up. That being said, it's you know it it it, it writes a check that it it doesn't even bother trying to cash. The film is very tonally odd, in which. Some of this isn't just real-world violence versus fantasy violence, but you know, some of the violence is is treated very seriously in an almost disturbing kind of way, while some of it is very "who gives a shit." That being said, Arnold Schwarzenegger is very good in this movie, especially in the third act where he has to play some notes that we've really, to a certain extent, haven't had to see him play before. And the idea of somebody discovering that their entire life you know, again, Dark City, Matrix, whatever. It's it's again, it's almost a little ahead of its time in that sense. I can see why the film has garnered somewhat of a re, re- reappraisal of the last thirty years. Even though I still think, as a movie, I I, I find it very flat and unengaging. And I think the big reason is it's at the center of the film you have a main character who slowly finds out that none of it is real and you have a secondary main character that should be having fun but keeps telling him and by virtue us to stop having fun and that just sucks the air right out of the balloon in a way that the film just you know it's 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 at least interesting in that middle section when they're running around in the movie and that should be the highlight of the film because that's what you came to see in a skewed way, it reminded me of Glass, M Night Shyamalan's Glass, in which you know the film sets up these three characters that clearly have superpowers that are clearly superheroes, and they throw them in an insane asylum where a doctor spends an hour trying to explain to them. No, no, they're not really superheroes after all. It's like we know that's not true, and frankly, it doesn't matter. Just by the the, the logic of the story, I mean James McAvoy still eats girls, and and. Mr. Glass still kills thousands of people and David Dunn can still bend steel and whatever. So it really doesn't matter why they can do that. It's just they can do that. And it does feel like an attempt to say, uh-oh, you know, Terminator 2 played really well at the Young set, even though it's an R-rated movie. We should make something that the kids could enjoy now. And that's not always a bad thing necessarily. I quite like Kindergarten Cop, and for that matter, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is fine. But in this case, I think you know, you sort sure of lose a lot of what makes the stereotypical 80s, 90s action film such a kick. And I've gone way off topic, so I'm gonna let somebody else talk.
1: Okay, Aaron.
3: My issues don't go far from where Scott's coming from, so I don't need to reiterate too much. I do think John McTiernan's doing his damnedest to try to make this thing work. I like John McTiernan for the most part. I do think he's a very good action director, and I think when he's in that middle section where it is just a Jack Slater film, like the, like the set pieces are interesting, at the very least. The problem is that damn kid. I think he's bad in this movie. He's annoying in the ways that Scott's described, but also just at, just in just as a character just like I I don't like like as a gateway character to getting into this world I as the movie fan that I was was a kid I couldn't relate to this kid just because I don't act like him whatsoever he just he, he seems like just a, a something I have an aversion to as far as what kind of film fan this would be and so having to follow along with them is just not exciting in the way it could be outside of this, the, the world of Jack Slater is always just not made, like, see, ever since I was a kid when I saw this in theaters, because I was excited to Arnold was my guy back then, like, I, I grew up with T2, like, why not? Yeah, the new Arnold movie, great. But the world of Jack Slater, there's a fucking cartoon cat in this movie, like, I don't get what this is, where there's a cartoon cat running around, as well as you know, evil Jack for the Ripper played by Tom Noonan. It's like, so yeah, tonal inconsistency, very much right. Cause I have no idea what the hell Jack Slater movies are supposed to be. Like it doesn't, it doesn't register to be a way that would make sense as a like standard Arnold movie where it's like, what, what are, what, what are these very disparate things going on in this multi-film series? I I think whether it's black or pen, as far as the script goes, there's, I obviously, like, the germs of ideas are here that would go on to become other movies as far as how to do this thing better, because I've seen it be better. Um, But for this movie, whatever the case is, as far as meeting certain demands or thinking this is the right way to go or what have you, it just it's not as much fun as it could be because, again, I'm annoyed by a lot of it. I think it's weirdly all over the place as far as what it's going for, if it's you know, just its mood or whatnot, because it's like, the, like when it, when the kid first goes in the action movie and there's you know big explosions, cops are flying all over the place, the car chase, loud, like all the music, it's like okay, and then as it keeps going, it's like there's this weirdly convoluted plot with with chance and everything. And it's like okay, or dance. Sorry, I, I just <laughs> I, I I fail to get more excited by it, and I would think that maybe that rectify itself by the end when they go into the real world. And it's like, there's something interesting there that, still, that somehow manages to have some bits of humor and then some stakes, but it's still like fucking Jack the Ripper. is like terrifying. And it's like, this is way too, but like, it just, it feels like it's going far too heavy in certain places when it could scale back a bit and just balance that a little bit more. So it's a movie where I certainly admire what it's trying to do. I think there's a lot of good action in it, and there's a lot of good filmmaking in it. There's some clever stuff going on as far as how to make certain car chases work or certain action beats work in a way that's just the right kind of over the top. Where the movie, you get that the movie's commentating on, it's it's satirizing it. But as a whole, just because of this, the way they're using the story just doesn't doesn't it's never clicked for me. And I've certainly tried. I've tried watching this movie plenty of times to be like, this will be the time that it'll. I'll get Last Action Hero and realize it's an unders- undersung masterpiece, but no, I'm not. I'm just not seeing it.
1: <laughs> and it's not. It's not an undersung masterpiece at all. Like I would. I. I've always. So I'm the one who likes the movie. I've always. I saw it in the theater when it came out, uh, opening weekend, and I. I enjoyed it, but I did. I did see some of the things. I was like, man, that was. The movie got like dark. <laughs> <And> I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like expecting it like how that, but I kind of. I as a as a kid. I kind of enjoy that it goes there with that when when I was watching it and stuff but I I like a lot of the stupid little meta like silly jokes the in jokes about you know movies when they go to the video store and they talk about you know st- you know there's the Stallone as the Terminator poster there's the 555 stuff everybody's everybody's beautiful here the kid eh. Yeah, uh, but especially when we're spoiled by having Kali- Macaulay Culkin introduced to us just a few years earlier, even Eighty Furlong, uh, and yeah, there's Furlong. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he's much better than T two. These then, oh no, he's he's, he's he's way better. He's way
1: better, <laughs> be, way better than this kid. But like T uh, two, he's, he's he's he doesn't hurt the movie at all. So I'll say that. But like, yeah, this kid is. I don't know. He doesn't. I didn't notice all the like. He hates being in the action movie. I think he's just trying to get someone to see what's going on with him and nobody, nobody seems to give a shit. Um, Huh? He's a dweeb. He's a dweeb. (laughs) I, you know, I like, I like the, the police station with the shouting, shouting bosses, all the tropes getting played with. And, you know, I, I watch it. It's like, there's some damn good action scenes in this movie. So if you don't like the movie, you're like, man, they wasted a lot of really good pieces on this because there's there's stuff I always like remember like the you know the the fart thing uh, with that big adventure to stop the the death and the body. There's the car chase. There's the, the fight in the house. Um, Charles Dance is great in this. Like I, he's eating. He's you know, the right I, kind I, of
3: menacing. Mm-hmm. He's not like yes. a horror villain that's trapped in this movie. He's I like <laughs>
1: the horror villain. Like it me. It's creepy It's creepy as weird. Tom Noonan's here. I love what he's like they're on uh, the red carpet, and he's like, Oh, look, it's the Ripper from Jack Slater 3. And he's well, like, I don't think I love like, that.
3: I think <laughs> that that stuff is fine. I like because that and that's playing well with like the format of what's yeah. happening as far as there's a guy that's actually the guy, and his like agent comes or whatever and tries to get it. it's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You should have like that stuff I think is clever. That is something, but it's like when it's life or death stakes calling back to like some other movie where his kid dies and then it's now it's this it's just yeah. it, it's it's just so much it,
1: <laughs> it also it has it, it tries after the- Charles
3: Dance is doing his stuff it's like yeah. this is a lot this is so much stuff happening right now.
1: <laughs> some of the some of the problem too in the end it tries to do too much real world stuff where it comes with this finale that's like you should have just got somewhere fucking faster than having the kid hold up the the ambulance and then drive like that it goes a bit far uh with that i do like and this is a aging of the film thing i had never said this back then nobody would have but his arnold's little uh monologue about you know being a fiction character and his life and all this stuff to, to the people like that plays great in today's climate with legacy sequels and shit like that like what you what people don't realize is like i want luke skywalker back well, you have to upend his life again. Like, it's called Star Wars, not you know, whatever Star Gardening. They, you got up in his life every time. You have to make the worst thing happen to them to have this conflict to go through this adventure. Like I know, like I one thing that annoys me. Like I, I, I share myself pretty a solid fan of, like, the Scream movies, but, like, the fandom of that pissed me off. Like, oh, if they kill, like, Gail or Dewey in this next one, I'm going to be pissed. I'm like, what are you... Fa-? You're asking them. Like, you want another Scream. You're trying to ruin their fucking lives. They like, better murder, like, ten-plus people, but not be one of these people. Yep. Like, do you know what a horror... Like, a slasher fucking movie... Do you know what stakes are? Do you know what, like, that stuff is? So, like that kind of thing plays really well now. Like when I watched it this time is when I clicked with that, I was like, Oh shit, that's, that's some solid stuff. That's not right for that time, but right for this time, uh, with it. Um,
3: as long as a cartoon cat comes in to save the day. The
1: cartoon cat's day, De Devito. You know, twins reunion, whatever. What um, is that? Hold on, Wait, just <laughs> toss it aside.
3: It's Danny De DeVito. It's like there's a cart. There's an animated animal in the same film series that has Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I'm like, Don't, tell me this. The world of
1: Slater is wild, man.
2: Let me. I hope there's an animated. Well, character. It's, it's part of why, even when I was a kid, the satire didn't feel legitimate because, again, the kind of films that they're spoofing do not have talking cartoon cats. Yeah, that's my problem. Films they're spoofing, <laughs> quite frankly, don't have the hero's ten year old kid get murdered at the end of a movie.
1: It's probably some. That's mis- just not. It, well, I, I think the cat's probably some misconceived Roger Rabbit type. You know, yeah. nod that just doesn't isn't quite. They don't have the money to do it the whole time because he's in a whole like two scenes and one's very background. Um, that's but, money wasted. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah. They
3: didn't yeah. need to use that money for that scene, right?
1: I mean, just I, have
3: David DeVito walk in?
1: Who does doesn't, doesn't bug me because it's this <laughs> film's weird, wacky way of, of parodying things. But and it's not. Much, he does save the day in one scene, but I, I don't know. I. I don't know. I have fun with the piece set pieces. A lot of the the silly jokes. Arnold, as you mentioned, is quite good here. Like one thing that's kind of crazy with this movie is <clears throat> you got to make this fake character that's like iconic. So you get Arnold. That's great. That's part of it. But then, like, they dress him in a way that and and have him and play it away. That like it feels like this. We have this character in real life. Like this. This yeah, is one he, of our movie characters, which is very a tough part designed. to do.
3: The jacket, boots, red shirt. Yeah, but he, he he looks like a like, mm-hmm. a, like a like a yes, a very familiar character to us.
1: And, and I think the thing like there's a there's a thing with Arnold. Jack Spear.
3: I mean, it's a, such a name.
1: Yeah, there's there's a thing with Arnold that Stallone didn't quite have in terms of like accessibility. Like you felt like you liked Arnold, and you kind of were like, "Ooh, I don't know, Stallone. He's a little on it." Like there's there's like a difference between the two that you know arnold felt like you could get you know you could approach him stallone you wouldn't be too sure like the movie stallone, personas like, yeah he
3: doesn't he doesn't play villain, besides death race as we established and what spike is like he doesn't do yeah. villains but there's some there's something in stallone where i mean he's playing in a goomba right now on tv i mean so there, yeah. there's there's a, there's a there's a darkness in him that i and yeah. he, he puts that into his roles like he plays a lot of like you know low life type characters even yeah. out, where arnold is Beyond being the Terminator, I get that he's still this kind of this weird enigma of charisma. This guy that comes from overseas yeah. and lives the American dream and just projects a certain kind of like I want to be a part of this. Yeah, like, that's why and he looks he's like he loves be, loves being gets, in, yeah yeah loves so he being does the in movies, Iron Videos. He's he like, what
1: the Rock wishes he was and is oh, not. For sure. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I. I'm fine with this movie. It's not like I pop this in once a year and like, oh my gosh, and write about how Last Action Hero is good actually. But I've always like liked yeah, it. Sounds right? like
3: you do though. You basically do. You basically yeah, you I do. Yeah, all you, the you time. You, like, time I, so far
1: this year. Do I have a steel book <laughs> I didn't pay for. So there you go. Who plays uh, the kid's mother? By the way. Oh, oh Mercedes Rule. Yeah, Mercedes Rule from uh, Mercedes Summer. Mercedes Summer. <laughs> Hop in your Mercedes, take a ride. She's, she's
3: back from Neil Simon land. She's coming into Last Action Hero.
1: There she is. Yep. An artist, but yeah, no, it's yeah, this, and this was well, we'll get into it. This was a very high profile look, sought after, you know, the, one of the big movies to see this summer. And oh, we'll high talk. profile
3: bomb! I think you're, you're dancing around. This. We're
1: get, well, I'm trying not to ruin the next, <laughs> we'll get there, we'll the get
3: to the numbers, the boring numbers <laughs> no, but, but, of it. No, yeah, no, no. it was established that the movie failed. I mean, like it was a, it
2: was it, heading into the summer, it was sort of. You know, everybody assumed that it'd be Jurassic Park, last action hero in The Firm. And two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, I mean, I think Sony paid for like an advertisement on a space shuttle or something. (laughs) Wow. Which, I'm still waiting for Universal to debut the last Fast and Furious trailer on the moon. Oh, of course. I have to assume that's
3: next. I mean, Cameron got a bunch of drones over Niagara Falls. So, yeah, Vin Diesel really needs to up the game (laughs) for the next one. (laughs) Maybe on the, uh, the on that Ferris wheel in London, they could project the movie on that. I'm that. sorry, what was that? They can project the movie on the Millennium Wheel. In oh London. yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, this was this was considered a huge, huge. Because again, it was it was Schwarzenegger's Fallout, to Terminator, Two Judgment Day, which was the third movie ever to crack 500 total.
1: We hadn't and seen this, him in this, two years. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, he'd been basically. I mean, he directed. His only directorial picture, a television remake of *Christmas in Connecticut* on TNT. Well, he, um, he did *A Tales from the* we know drama. Fair enough. So yeah, you know it's 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 an Arnold Schwarzenegger action adventure comedy, that's safe for kids. And on paper, it looked like a can't miss picture. But- what's
3: the What's the line, Brandon, in the movie where he talks about how like there's less deaths than this latest Jack Slater movie? You've you've seen the movie like four times. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Like what is what, what's the line? It's I- like. It's like in the last Jack Slater movie, we killed like forty five people. Yes, we killed like thirty five. Like it's, yeah. up, it's still like an absurd number, right? But it's like lower than the other one.
1: <laughs> See, there's good lines.
3: Good there's plenty of good. Li- there's plenty of good like bits and lines. Anthony Quinn's doing a thing. I'm like, oh, I'm all about that in yeah. movies. <laughs> like, there's plenty <laughs> of stuff in here.
1: He's got one of those weird pools that's like in the house and outside of the house yeah, too. Which I,
3: I actually a bar and. Been- Mar- I- <laughs> I've always remembered that. It's because it's like a really unique architectural design. Yes. <laughs> there's that bit where, like, there's like a bunch of dogs, and like, Chance does like a thing, Dance does like a thing, and like, then all the dogs are like stacked on top of each other. Right. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's also weird that this movie is like, we're following this kid who's got sucked into the world. But it's but there's also like a B plot that we're also privy to because we're in. It's weird. It, it's right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like a, yeah. It's like that. It's like Lisa's episode where she goes into the future and it has a B plot involving her parents. But it's like, but wait, isn't this from a flash forward from the point of view of Lisa? Why would we be seeing Homer and Marge right now in their own story? This doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Like we like we have our main character, but like Charles Dance is also a main character. <laughs> it's like, wait, whose perspective is this coming? From? <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, Who's the projectionist?
3: Who's the who plays the projectionist? Is it Susan? It? It's a uh,
1: oh um it's the
3: it's a uh, Prosky right? Prosky yes, yeah yeah. Is it's him watching the movie and being like, "This kid's in the movie now." This is I weird. mean,
1: he's got the right <laughs> element to build the wonder for for the kid and stuff. He's he's got he's a good choice there. Um, the magic ticket and everything. Um, that but, stuff is yeah, it's very corny, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, uh, the, yeah, the movie, like as much as it's not afraid to goof off, it's it's also afraid. It's also not afraid to like do creepy, weird things, like that guy breaking into the apartment in the beginning. It's like whoa, that's. Oh yeah, when it's in the real world, yeah, when it's a in the real like world. How New York when, is. Living in, in modern Blade Runner, that's where he lives. Is <laughs> modern modern Blade, he Blade in, Runner? He lives in the Mushroom Kingdom, though. Least, I, have to, I have to. wonder if this is one of the last like big, like wide release, big budget, epic movies to uh, showcase the like Forty Second Street, like slumier look in New York before it clean uh, before they clean it up and turn it into like Times Square, Manhattan stuff like this it has got to be one of the last relics in a big, you know, grander way of showcasing right. that. Yeah, because,
3: I mean, the aliens blew it all up in Independence Day, then they just right. cleaned it up. That's how. That's what that's happened right. in life. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but, like, yeah, because I was when I watched it this time, I'm like, oh, New York's still got that kind of, like, s- sleazy feel to the streets with all the, you know, theaters on it and stuff. and It's
3: still Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 and
1: not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, but... It's very much like, yeah, the creepy-looking New York, rather than you know, Jason takes Manhattan, New York, or Vancouver, as as opposed to what it would become when the makeover happens. Yeah, but,
3: Scream Six. is mostly daylight, I assume, and like oh, everybody's sure,
1: everybody's happy, having yeah, having a
3: great time jogging down the street.
1: Oh look, Gofies. Go Face,
3: <laughs> Mamma Mia, they're Italian. Um, uh, yep.
1: The Mario cast came over, yes. <laughs>
3: It's, just, it's, a little, it's it's Leguizamo like and Samantha is
1: doing a reunion run. There we go, yeah. <laughs> Open the door, get on the floor. Everyone like the dinosaur. But yeah, so yeah, last action hero. We did it. We went through it.
2: Excuse me, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Last action hero. I've been dying to see this. I love this place. Catch the action of the movies then catch the accident burger king because when you buy a flame roll whopper with large fries and a medium drink you get this last action hero animated action cup free turn that right there look at the action in this cup this movie's gonna be slamming
0: and so are these cups so collect all four your way right away we love this place
1: before we head on to our final piece let's uh, once again check in with our good pal yancey burns for yancey's tales From the video store.
0: I want my video library. I want mine too. Everyone wants their video library, selling and running Atlanta's most complete selection of general-release videos and video accessories. Register each time you come in now till Christmas for the Big Video Library Giveaway: a $50 gift certificate every two weeks and the grand prize, a Panasonic VCR, to be given away Christmas Eve. What's love got to do with my video library?
2: That Windsor for Laserdisc guy who didn't like me, it was very weird because I spent a lot of money at his store and I also inevitably went and had to sell laser discs at his store when I had to liquidate for money or just to get rid of them because I bought too many. I was, my wife's listening and probably not wanting to hear this. I was 20 years old, 20, two zero years old at the mm-hmm. time and my father had just, my father had just died. So I spent my money unwisely, but. I would buy things from this guy and then I would go back in and sell him things. And I think he just didn't like the drag of having to buy things for me all the time. So he just never really liked me. And then mm-hmm. strangely enough, I heard later that he sold the store for a good amount of money and he went to Hawaii and he bought land. And in the first week he was there, he got killed windsurfing. Oh yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Okay, thanks, Nancy. Now, Scott, let's move it over to you and talk about this big box office weekend that wasn't what people were expecting.
2: Well, after the weekend before, I think so. I mean... Pre-summer. It w- oh, pre-summer? <laughs> well, no. yes and no. I mean... Yeah, okay. okay, Jurassic Park reprised at number one, dropping a mere 18% in its second weekend, hmm. which is insane for a, an opening that large. It broke the opening weekend record the previous frame with fifty million dollars and this time dropped just eighteen percent for a thirty eight and a half million dollar weekend for a one twenty domestic after ten days you coming in 2nd sec-
3: I'm was sorry be, you think that was like a record second weekend?
2: Uh yes. Hmm. It it was, yes, it was. Uh, I think the one prior to that was uh I want to say Batman with 30 million after a four, a 43 million opening because it, it it held better than uh, Batman Returns. Um, number two was Last Action Hero, which opened with 15 and change, only one step behind, which was not a good result, and nobody was happy with it because the reviews were lousy, the audience polling was not great. They knew that the film was not going to have legs. Ironically, coming in just underneath is Sylvester Stallone's Cliffhanger, which earned 5.6 million in its uh, fourth weekend, dropping 25%, ending uh, its 24th day with 59 million dollars. Go, go and, back to
3: Go back to Last Action Hero for a second. So that, that's 15 million. I assume it's what some like 75 million dollar movie or something like that. Yeah,
2: uh, 85 officially. Oh, well, that's depends on who you ask.
3: And like going into the summer, yes, we we're thinking Jurassic Park that and whatever firm are going to be like huge mm-hmm. hits. Yeah, but the was the pre-release like there is when did the when was like the writing on the wall as far as the buzz goes? Like were reviews out? But then, but we're A at the weeks reviews. out, I think no. By the time it happened, nobody was surprised, mm-hmm.
2: and. The nail in the coffin was, of course, Jurassic Park hitting like gangbusters, both commercially, critically, and in terms of "Holy shit, this is the movie of the summer."
3: Um, where, do, where does Action Hero end up? Fifty million
2: domestic. Let uh, me see what it did worldwide. One thirty-seven worldwide off an eighty-five million dollar budget.
3: So, so that it was tra- a, tracks Arnold's star appeal alone. Is, yeah, is something like right. That, but still not a runaway um, train of a hit. So yeah. And the
2: irony is. Hold on a second. Uh, six uh, several months later, Demolition Man, which I think is awesome, would open in October of that year and make 160 million dollars on a over under 60 million dollar budget, which isn't that big of a difference. But since Stallone had been on the outs for a few years, and it was this was considered part of his comeback after Cliff along with Cliffhanger, the general narrative for that film's performance was generally positive.
3: And it's um, liked more, or at least it's less. Oh yeah, I mean it's a much right. better picture. Cool, People right. liked it. Um, like I know, I, knew, I mean the reviews aren't through the moon for that one. It's like yeah. we we like it as far as it's a crazy action movie, but it's not like yeah. the next yeah. coming of anything. <laughs>
2: Well yeah, I mean and to a certain extent, you know, I'm always whining about this a lot just because I think, you know, back in the day, movies like Demolition Man were not expected to get rave reviews. You know, three stars was a pretty damn good result for a movie right. like
1: Demolition Man. Exactly. <laughs>
2: uh, um so you know it's 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 anyway, the last action hero, giant bomb, infamous turkey, uh Schwarzenegger basically retreats into a hard R James Cameron action adventure film that would become True Lies.
1: Infamous Turkey Uh, sounds like an Aardman film, but I digress. True. (laughs) Um,
2: And yeah, the the movie becomes sort of stuff of Hollywood legends because the original screenplay that Zach Penn wrote is very different from the final film. Uh, The original film. Yeah. And the fact he really that he's, he's worked consistently over the last you know thirty years is because people in the note tend to read the original draft.
3: Yeah, that's, that's that's a really great thing for that white guy. He's able to <laughs> get a lot of money off of making inferior screenplays that are rewritten. <laughs> what a job!
2: No, re- writing better screenplays that are rewritten into something else.
3: I, yeah, in I this mean, case, I, I've heard the notes on his Avengers screenplay before. Zach, got that gameplay. is true. I that's didn't that's. that's
2: came in on there. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, it was the the definitive bomb of the summer, by default. Uh, I don't think it was, I don't know if it was the biggest money loser just in raw revenue. I'd have to look that up. I'm sure Super Mario Brothers I was going to say won. what is Mario Brothers like that's the Yeah, it's, it's, oh,
1: yeah. Um, finally, Mario Brothers has the hype of last. year. Yeah, night. exactly. It's You're it's sure. a matter
2: of the bigger they are the. What are day you talking? It had
3: Hoskins, like <laughs> Wasabo. <with Thamo>. Hopper, <laughs> Hopper. Hopper, madness. One
2: lady from Broken Arrow.
3: R- R- Richard, what's his name? Do the right thing, Richard. um Stevens. If, Stevens, Fisher um. Stevens. I mean, <laughs> I assume the character posters were running wild for Supermarket. Yes,
1: right. <laughs> um, someone needs to mock up and make those. Just the sure. two, just, those two, just those two brothers. Just like <laughs> <the> most. <laughs>
3: oh like Yoshi <laughs> tone with the harmonica
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: remember this no <laughs>
1: is, there, is there a listener that can make character posters for the Mario not the the recent one we already get those character posters but the no, 1993 need, Mario Brothers movie I'm oh like, we need
3: to make those for sure to come character out, posters with these with the animated movie ones yeah. yes. The oh. big, that big woman with the necklace. <laughs> Here,
1: well, this this will be dropping after, so we'll. The fucking to... ba-bom. Bertha. Bertha. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> it's just a It's like a. It's, it's,
3: it's... Uh, Lance Hendrickson before he gets out of the fungus. So it's just a pile of crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then uh, the other one, uh, the bottom is that this summer, trust the fungus. Yeah. That's what it needs to say.
3: That's that's what all of them should say. Try, yeah. Every one of them should have fo- fungus like framing around it. Oh yeah, press the fungus, and everyone just has their own pose. That's the that's the poster right there. We've uh,
1: been holding this back. We don't. Yeah, we, uh, we we had Mario material for the other oh episode. God. We had yeah, too much. We, it's overflowing here.
3: <laughs> By the way, way <laughs> different topic. We didn't talk at all about Arnold and Hamlet. That's the best part of this movie. Oh wow!
1: <laughs> well, or Ian McKellen's death from. That too. That's also nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Arnold, Arnold as
3: as as Hamlet, that that is uh, that is that is legit movie gold. To right?
1: be or not to be. And it's like surprisingly to be. stylish. Like it's like, oh, a yeah. run, like like I'd
3: watch this version of Hamlet. It's it's it's, as, yeah. it's as off the wall as um, as Wells or Cohen doing their version of, of of Shakespeare.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, Fourth place, what's love got to do with it? Which was slowly expanding. It was now in four hundred and twenty-eight screens. We were earning three point six million for a ten-day total of five point six million. Number five, good old Made in America, still hanging on after a month. Solid hit. Yep, three point five million down twenty-six percent for a thirty-five million-dollar twenty-four-day total.
1: It's the the sword and the sorcerer, Parkies of ninety-three. Yeah, pretty so far. I like
3: how we're rooting for Made in America as if, like, we're going to make a difference for, <laughs> for reading the <laughs> stats of this movie.
1: <laughs> it's going to do it, guys! Made in America! <laughs> well, I doubt, like, anybody, you know, they always talk about the top, like, one, you know, top movie of the weekend or, like, top couple. You know, it wasn't until recent years that people were like, oh, yeah, you can be number one and still fail hard, you know, like. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, you know,
2: but, I've always, you know, I've been one of my big rules is that rank is irrelevant. You know, if the number is good, then it's good whether you're in first place or tenth place.
1: Like what? Like Dickie Roberts got a number one, but it made like nothing. Yeah. So,
3: John Carter was number one, <laughs> Um and a good movie. So that that's what yeah, it's a really solid film. Yeah, it's better than Last Action Arrow.
2: <laughs> um. Uh, Guilty as Sin and number six, also John Carter's better than Guilty as Sin. Um, $2.7 million minus 26% in weekend three for a $15.7 million uh, 17 day total. Number seven's Dave in its seventh weekend, 2.5 for 55.5. Uh, Once upon a forest, the other movie that I've already forgotten, we talked about. All <laughs> <laughs> due respect, if anyone worked on it, I'm sure you were better in other stuff. 2.2 uh, in 1,487 screens. Uh, it eventually ends up with a
3: whopping negative five up. dollars. What? Basically, yes. <laughs> it's lost money. Six point
2: six million was, if I recall, basically half its budget. Very sad. Menace Society so is $2 dollars owned. to make that movie. Allegedly, I oh, could geez. be mistaken. I should look that up. They really used to pay, pay they, they, trailer.
1: They used to pay animators back in the day. Yeah, <laughs>
2: uh, Menace of Society, two million dollars, ninth place, sixteen million after twenty-four days, and in tenth place, Life of Mikey. Earning 1.35 million in its third weekend, 35 percent drop, 9.3 million dollars.
1: Goodbye, life with Mikey. We probably won't see you anymore.
2: And in its 46th weekend, 15th place, Unforgiven. Oh, with 611. Excuse me, 601 thousand dollars, crossing 100 million dollars. Ooh. So
3: go Eastwood. Yeah. How many screens did Carnosaur add this weekend?
1: Uh, <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's already gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and that's it. So yeah, that'll do it for this weekend. That was June 18th through 20th of 1993. Uh, Scott and Aaron, thank you for joining me. Uh, before we head out, Aaron, what you doing? Where are you at? Uh, I host
3: a podcast called Out Now, Our Theater and Abe. You can find myself and my friend Abe talking about the weekly movie releases. This is, what, the June weekend? So, I don't know, some Pixar movie came out. Uh,
1: or I think you're Flash. This is Flash.
3: It's Flash weekend? Yeah. So oh, I think
1: Flash and a Pixar. They're they're both scheduled on the same weekend, right? Elemental, right? That's the uh-huh. I think so. I yeah,
3: guess. we talked about one of those, I'm sure, and how there was so much Ezra Miller that we couldn't handle it um, because...
1: He came back around. They yeah, came just, back around,
3: ran around, around. Um, but yeah, I, I host that podcast of eight, and I also write movie reviews for Week of Entertainment and Why So Blue. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. All right, and Scott, uh, I'm at
2: therap.com and I'm at Twitter at Scott Mendelssohn.
1: All right, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at brandon 4 kuhd My written work is at whysoblue.com. Next time on The Summer of 93 at 30, our house of cards in Seattle leaves us sleepless because of a certain menace. All that and more as The Summer of 93 at 30 continues. It's the summer of
0: 93
3: at 30.
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alzman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.